If you've ever wondered why achieving success isn't always straightforward, you're in the right place. Our ways of achieving success are as unique as our brains, and what works for someone else might not work for you. So how do we tap into the right ones for us and avoid trying to pursue success on someone else's terms? You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. I specialize in facilitating personal development using applied neuroscience. I'm going to be talking to and introducing you to some interesting individuals, their careers, their challenges, and the changes that they've made along the way. If you want actionable tips, inspiring journeys, and amazing insights to help you unlock your full potential, then stay with us for this episode. Today, I'm talking to the ever insightful and generous Jan Cavell. We look at the changes that are rapidly taking place in the workplace and what that might mean for your business. Jan, who of course is a legendary entrepreneur in her own right, now dedicates a lot of her resources and time to sharing that experience with others who are on an entrepreneurial journey. And Jan has recently released a second book packed with her ample wisdom and experience, which is called Start for Success. Jan, it is wonderful to have you back. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on again and not only to be the first guest that has come back for a second time, but also the first video guest. So here we go. It's a whole new page for the Ambition Incubator. <laughs> it's it's a, a, such an honour to, to be both firsts and it's just lovely to be back with you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Jan, as we were talking earlier, we're, we started um, talking about a subject that I know you're very interested in, and that is the idea of the things that have changed over the last while, um, and especially in relation to people who are at the stage of setting up a business of their own. Is, is there, um, do you want to give us a, a little bit of a feel for what you're thinking about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was a funny one, Deirdre, because I, I had just got my last book, which we spoke about before, so I won't bother to recap on, um, coming out at the beginning of COVID. And so in some ways I was sitting here thinking, you know, that feels like almost another world. It changed so fast that mm. watching watching from from a distance and observing, I guess, the business world as well as, well as personal world, you know, the speed that stuff was changing. I mean, obviously, people mm. went um, initially off, off work and were, people were attempting to work from home. Companies were trying to cope with that. Uh, and the whole sort of ricochet effect, so much has mm. changed as a result of that. Uh, you know, I, I, I do find it fascinating. I, again, from an observer point of view, I don't think I'd find it so fascinating if I was at the coal front. It's, I, I mean, mm. entrepreneurs always have my admiration, but they have it 10 times over now. Yeah, uh, and I, I suppose the, the playing field really has changed because, um, like you say, things changed with such speed and they have left a mark and left, left many marks, I guess. Um, and the way we work, has pretty much changed forever. Um, so what are the things that I know that the, the new book is really for those people who are at the stage of starting up? What are what are the things that they need to be aware of now that they wouldn't necessarily have thought about before? Well, I think culture, for one, is, I mean, was always important, but there's so many facets to that. Um, mm. You know, I'd pick out three main ones, maybe, I guess, but um, Firstly, we've very much gone global talent. 
people are aware that they can use people from all over the world, which, you know, I think they would have hesitated to do before. Oh, well, we'd rather have somebody down the road, you know. Um, but but companies that are thriving are looking in unexpected places because it doesn't make much difference if you're dealing mm. with somebody or, or remotely as to whether they're down the road or 5,000 miles away. You know, so you could be in Australia and have a designer or a software guy in Orkney. You know, it, it's a completely different, different attitude. So I think that global talent pool has opened up, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think um, with culture um, generally, you know, there is this struggle to adapt to, um, you know, which way are they going to go? Are they going to go hybrid? Are they going to go back to the office? Uh, mm-hmm. Or are they going to stay remote? And mm-hmm. for some companies, it's been very easy. I mean, some companies were already remote prior to, prior to it. So obviously they were laughing. Uh, some companies did manage the hybrid transition mm-hmm. because it suited them uh, in many ways. And some companies have absolutely struggled with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been one of the huge challenges. And of course, that's gone on because we had the period when they went in, everybody went into home working. And when people came out, you know, it, it was do we adjust, do we not adjust? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. It changed, I think, to bring it on to the third thing, that changed people's attitudes towards work, I think, in a major way. People started, firstly, a lot of people enjoyed the mix between home working, some didn't, but a lot of people did, and they liked working when, um, you know, when they wanted to work, fitting it around Mm -hmm. their family life, earning but having a life or you know and it Mm -hmm. started people questioning whether you should just get up in the morning and go to work at nine o'clock and come home at five o'clock and cook dinner you know that Mm -hmm. that just wasn't what people wanted anymore which means that companies have had to change dramatically to appeal to anybody to work there i i see exactly where where that's coming from yeah it's 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 almost like um having that ability to better integrate work and life in a, a more seamless fashion yeah um and you know people don't want to give that back i mean i can completely understand why, why they wouldn't <laughs> so i i suppose the, the question to follow up from that then would be um which are the sectors that you see that it, are there trends in the sectors that are struggling with that um and are they really uh, do they can they do anything to make that easier for people i mean i think so i think some sectors necessarily are, are struggling in that um for manufacturing for example i mean you know they, they've just got to go automated or go out of business i think i mean it you mm. know it's changed too dramatically it's really not good for manufacturers um you know which is is a pity because britain is a, is a good stronghold of manufacturing not that it's ever really been particularly lauded for it but it was traditionally um i mean i think it's nice to see hospitality back um Mm -hmm. because i think the people there cope better because they actually like the social aspect of being in hospitality so i don't think there's as much of a problem with people not being able to go 
Mm. Um, I mean, tech companies are obviously easier, but not all tech companies want remote. You know, we've seen some of the big boys. I mean, Mr. Musk does not want his employees to be remote. <laughs> Very timely. Indeed, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you um, know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily cut clean across the set. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how that's all Won't played it. out by the time this goes live. I was going to say, by the time we'll we'll know more. Yeah, yeah. A day a day is a long time in Twitter, isn't it? Just <laughs> yes. But I did, whatever happens, I don't think he'll be saying, "Oh well, I've changed my mind. Work remotely." Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I suppose actually is is an interesting point as well. You know, when an organisation takes a stand on something, um, how. Uh, I guess they do need to have a little flexibility and know when to um, back down on things like that. Um, and that might not always come easily to an organization where they have had a sort of a top down structure. I think that's very true. I mean, I think, you know, some people are finding it very hard and and panicking. You know, there's this constant you must be a superman if you're an entrepreneur approach to mm. life. Mm. And and actually, you know, entrepreneurs are only human, too. And they've got huge amounts on their plate trying to survive, mm-hmm. trying to fight through, trying to work out how to find new markets or whatever that, that's been mm-hmm. caused. And the vision of having to completely rejangle how they run their team as well is, is often, you know, uh, when when they've worked out an easy way to do it, and surely that would be okay. But, but it mm-hmm. isn't anymore. Um, and the result we've seen, of course, is, is another thing I was going to mention is we had the great resignation. And now we're get, getting, what, have they, what do they call it, the quick quitters. Have you heard of the that quick one? Quitters. Quick quitters. No, no, tell me about I, that one. I barely say it. But <laughs> people are staying very short times in a job now because uh-huh. they're questioning whether it's delivering enough all the time and moving on. So. Yeah, that that is interesting. I mean, I... I guess we know that it takes a certain amount of time to settle in and to, you know, find your way around something. Um, so I'm I'm wondering, is there some new way of assessing this that maybe wasn't um, part of part of the toolkit that I would have had when I was back in that, that stage of life? I know, I know. You were given a desk and told to get on with it, <laughs> <laughs> if you were lucky. <laughs> I remember work, working on a floor at one stage. But... Uh, um, no, I mean, I think a lot of it is is down to the onboarding. You're right. I think clever companies who succeed in wooing their staff well yeah. do a very, very effective onboarding program, uh, which yeah. means a lot of money spent on it. But they can weed out very quickly the people who don't fit and often, I mean, some of the big boys give golden handshakes to say, you know, if, if you don't feel it's for you, if you're not a fit, you know, we'll pay you off. You know, we hired you even in the first few weeks, you know, which mm-hmm. they reckon is cheaper than having somebody wrong stay, which I sort of yeah. get, um, you know, but but they spend a lot of time embedding the culture because it's all about culture you can train somebody to do something but if somebody doesn't fit with your culture they're gonna do so much damage um but equally if if they're happy there and they fit they ain't gonna go anywhere providing they're being well looked after as well and you you raise like a couple of really 
fascinating points here and I think we're, the conversation is going to diverge a little bit and then come back around. <laughs> um, so one of them is about the, um, the the process, the onboarding process, the hiring process, the investment that that takes and especially for a small company, especially for a new company where it really can make or break to get that right person. Um, I mean, there there's no doubt um, a best practice or a set of best practices for people and is, is that something that you, uh, you you talk about or is, is that some is that something we can point some people to another source for? Or it really seems like such an important one to get right. Doesn't yes, it? it does. I mean, I think, you know, for, for very small companies, maybe first hire, second hire, you've got to think, you know, welcome them. <laughs> you know, mm. it's as simple as that. They have got to feel that they are so loved, wanted, needed, and that they are important from the, well, actually before they even join, you know, there should be lots Mm -hmm. of contact before they join, sending them welcome messages, sending them um, details of stuff that's going on in the company or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. but interaction. So, you know, you can start that at midnight as we often work and what have you, you know, and send it out a civilised hour. But, you know, you can actually start a pre-welcome before they even get there so they start feeling welcome. But, you know, it's, it's just silly things the first day, you know, to have yeah. their computer screen come up and say, welcome, Deirdre, you know, yeah. um, you know, we're thrilled you're here. Um, you know, a coffee mug with their name on it. Anything that immediately, and it's all very trivial, but the fact remains is that people apparently make decisions about whether they're going to stay in the first 48 hours. They may stay another six hours, the six months, but that, you know, it, it sets as a, this is great or, okay. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, I mean, it's, it's all very well, um, you know, with the outreach aspect of onboarding, but I'm, thinking about the inside uh, job as well, that, you know, the the culture has to be welcoming on the inside, that people have to be excited and ready for this new person to come on board and um, getting them up to speed as well. Is that something that is an issue or is is that um, in the dim and distant past as well? I think a lot of it comes from the clarity of the values. You know, if you've Mm -hmm. really nailed your values and you know exactly those five words say that, you know, are absolutely you, then you can look at somebody and they can look at you and know whether they're a fit. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've got, um, you know, sort of diligence, um, endeavor, um, excellence is your values, you know, that that is a certain atmosphere. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it will appeal to some people. It might be highly academic or, Mm -hmm. you know, research or or whatever. If you've got fun, a bit crazy, you know, something else, it might be much more uh, a a fit with a tech company. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't, there's no right or wrong, providing it's true and from the heart. But then you see if, if, if there's a good fit. And the culture mm. becomes exciting and every decision you make, sort of you can check and think, is that in tune with the culture? And that goes mm. down to people too. Yeah, one of my previous guests, actually, this just came up as you were talking. She um, she made the point that a lot of startups and new businesses hire replicas of themselves when in actual fact what they need is someone to balance out their existing skill set. Um, 
What do you think of that idea? I think it's it's certainly an alternative. Um, you know, if, I mean, there's lots. It's a bit like I was saying about overseas, you know, sort of workforce. There's there's so many opportunities to do diverse things to to look at what you don't do well and find somebody for mm. that rather than take somebody on full time. You know, people are hesitant mm. about taking on somebody full time for lots of reasons. We none of us know mm. what the future is going to hold. Yeah, not only that, I guess, but, you know, if, if you've got a team of um, freelancers or part timers, you're getting a much broader skill base than if you are taking on one person um, tied to one location with that's very true that's very true but of course equally you don't have quite the knowledge um, you know mm. of and, and the surety that they're going to be there the next day you know I mean I've had this happen to me because I use freelancers now you know and you've got this wonderful relationship you're working with somebody for three months in um, you know South Africa or whatever and you know you think oh well I'll finish that job tomorrow and you send them an email never hear from them again you know something else has happened in their lives and they've moved on you know yeah, which yeah, which that's... of course you wouldn't get with with somebody full-time you know who you know it's probably going to come in tomorrow if, if you well or at least you'd have a sneaking suspicion if it's going to go wrong <laughs> yeah if they've quick quitted <laughs> quickly quit how do you say that <laughs> i know i know it's a nightmare <laughs> quick quitting mm. um so the 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 new book jan is uh is part of a, a completion, I guess, mm. of, of scaling for success. So um, can you give us a flavour of what this new one is about and, and who should be reading? Absolutely. I mean, it, it was, you're quite right, scale, scale for Success was always sort of in my mind one of a pair because scale, mm. as you know, sort of went very much from 1 million to 10 million market-wise. And I wanted to do the first half um, mm. and, you know, take people from, you know, I'm thinking about it to two or three. And mm. so, so that was always at the back of my mind. And then I saw all this change going on and I thought, I've got, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. This is so exciting, you know, because you can look at those changes, you know, you can give back because I think more and more people are going self-employed and I think we'll see a lot more next year because there will be more people out of work and more and more people getting unsure and wanting balance and everything else. So I think there'll be a shift to starting up um, and hopefully this will help people. And, and also as, as we've, we're talking about, you know, all these changes, we've got culture changes, we've got um, you know, for a lot of people, yes, lots of people are techie, but lots of people aren't. Is it necessary? You know, is, is a question that I, I found really interesting. Um, mm. You know, how techie do you have to be to have a business these days? Can you scale without it? Indeed. Yeah. I mean, and and how costly is it? I think it's another big thing. You know, I had a mm. fascinating conversation doing my research with a guy in Switzerland. Who, who specializes in tech and uh, he says because uh, he deals with a lot of sort of countries as well as companies and mm. um, so he's quite high powered but he um, he says everybody countries as well as companies come to him and say you know we need to be more tech well in what way to know we need to be more tech <laughs> and I can believe it can't you <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's so many aspects to that as well, though. I mean, whether you are talking about the, the tech that goes with your um, maybe your your targeting and sales process or the, you know, the tech that goes with your um, your checkouts and your sales and your website or the tech that goes with the, the manufacturing that we mentioned earlier. They're very different. Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. Yes, I mean you've got, to, you know, as you, as you say, there's sort of AI to robot, robotics to automation to, you know, a little app on your phone. You know, you're absolutely right. Mm. But I think the point he was making was um, certainly for office procedures, what he sees mm. a lot is people. What people mean is they're not performing all that smoothly. You know, what business does perfection, but you know, they 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 want, they can see everything's a bit clunky. And so they think it must be lack of tech. And he'll go in and look at it. And actually, their systems are clunky. It doesn't matter whether you automate them, but unless they sort out how, what they do and the order they do it in, it'll still be clunky. Mm. But they could have a bill for five grand or whatever for the tech. Um, you know, so in some ways, we can get overexcited about the problems that tech solves. I think you still have to get the basics right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, and it is one of those rabbit holes, I, I guess people think, you know, if, if we throw money at it, exactly. it'll resolve itself. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true, is no, it? No, very much so. And of course, there's lots and lots of people willing to take your money to sell you hugely expensive tech. Mm. So where where should people start looking at these things then? I mean, what is the... What is this, the solution that is not necessarily the tech solution? They want to look at literally their, their processes. You know, if mm. they take um, sort of say one customer from a moment they had contact with that customer in marketing, right through to where they are today, and they look at mm. what worked, what didn't, that whole journey. Um, mm. You know, how easy was it for them to connect from a website? Did they go away and think about it? You know, did they say anything nice along the way? You know, did you mm. nearly lose contact with them? Did you have to ask for their email? You know, the, um, what, what were the problems with the order? You know, the same, same thing. Really examine mm. in depth one, maybe two customer journeys from, from start to finish. And then you begin to see but for some reason, somebody had to walk around the block five times to process that order or, you know, um, mm. just the stupid things which are which, you know, become habit and, and actually yeah. aren't needed at all. Yeah, yeah. And that, of course, that's like such a drain on Absolutely. resources. Yeah. You know, if two people are doing the same thing, which often happens, all the communication between mm. them is bad. You know, that yeah. can be sorted out before you even spend any money in tech. And it's really important that it is sorted out because otherwise yeah. the tech is going to be less effective. Yeah, you're trying to fill a leaky bucket. Indeed, that's precisely what I mean. Well said, yes. <laughs> um, so, Jan, you've also, um, I've, I've been really enjoying your stuff on LinkedIn, by the way. You're, you're such a wonderful writer. Um, and is is there a, is there anything that you think people should be thinking about in terms of their own um, social media? Because, you know, people, I think, tend to, at, at that startup stage, think they've got to be everywhere. They've got to be doing everything. 
What's your approach to this? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I'm, you're very kind. I mean, LinkedIn is lovely for me because I can just write. I, I love to write. So, you know, sort of, oh, I've got an idea about that. Oh, that person annoyed me the other day. What can I make a LinkedIn post about that? <laughs> Get it off my chest. <laughs> you know, so for, so for me, LinkedIn is, is lovely. Um, you know, but um, but I, I and oddly enough, I, I I used to love Twitter. Jury out as to whether I shall stay loving Twitter, but uh, the other two, I must admit that I'm on Instagram and um, um, Facebook precisely, um, and I do have a non-used TikTok account. But um, <laughs> but you know, I would love to see how that played oh, out. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just it, it doesn't help, I guess, that I've lived yeah. in two houses in the past twenty years, and both are in mobile phones, black spots. So I'm not a very mobile phone person, and of course, those apps only mm. work on a, phone, a mobile phone. You know, so the fact that you you know when you go shopping, you need to catch up with your entire social media is not <laughs> all that brilliant. Um, but you mm. know, I think. I think people are, are unsure about Twitter, clearly. They're also unsure about Facebook now. Um, mm. it, it, but the principle hasn't changed. Sorry, I'm wandering way off the question. That's fine. The principle hasn't changed. Try, um, you know, three or four markets that you think would be right. Measure the results mm. over one, two, maybe three months. And you'll start to see immediately where you get hits from a website or communication or even orders and don't bother too much with the ones that don't pay off. It's all about return. You know? And I suppose that's the other thing and this ties back into the tech as well is that one of the um, one of the things that you know we are really <clears throat> I guess faced with every time we want to, to make something known on, on socials these <laughs> days is the idea of paid strategies versus organic strategies. Um, and again, the, these things, these are big decisions for a new business. They are. I mean, investing in that's the way the platforms are pushing us to pay. Um, but, you know, it is very costly to, uh, to run campaigns and not necessarily effective. You want to be sh very sure you've got the right platform and then develop some expert advice to on um it, it is possible to teach yourself i mean i have a friend who's built up unbelievable following on facebook for his business self-taught mm. um but you know he said anybody i know who's done that has gone through all sorts of failure times so it's going to cost you one way or another yeah and that that's actually another lovely um point i guess to, as as we start to wrap up it's, it's just um this idea that it there is a runway needed that people are going to have to dedicate time, yeah. you know, if they're going from a standing start to a successful business, that is not typically an overnight it process. It is not. No. <laughs> and, and we talked about this the last time, we didn't did. we? Um, I still remember your your story of the the fax machine under the stairs. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what? I guess just as an aside to that as well, then we'll try and bundle all this into one. Um, is this still a time of opportunity for new business? Uh, is what is out there, um, and would would your feeling be that with a, a reasonable idea, people can still go for it and make something of this? Oh, I think undoubtedly. I mean, we are still seeing big success stories, and I think you know, there's. I mean, 
you know, the, the sort of market trader has existed since, you know, man was around roughly and people's played swapsies mm-hmm. and did chores for other people and, you know, who pays what for what has always been mm-hmm. going and that's not going to change. It's the way the way we do it, do it as solo entrepreneurs or building businesses might adapt, how we pay for things, you know, and will we all be on Bitcoin in 10 years' time? you know, whatever, um, you know, or, or back to markets and swapping cabbages, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of cabbage. Well, indeed. No. <laughs> Probably rather have cabbage and Bitcoin right now, I think. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, but, but the principle, yeah, there's always opportunity for, for people who read the markets right, see what other people want and uh, mm-hmm. deliver it in a way that really connects with that market. Yeah. Yeah. Jan, that is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, I, I'm wondering um, if you can give us a reminder of where people should go to hear more about what you're doing and find out more about the book and so on as well. Right. Absolutely. Thank you, Deirdre. I am found at jancavell.co.uk. Wonderful. And that's Cavell spelled C-A-V-E-L-L-E. That's absolutely right. And by the time we finish or this comes out, we'll be the book should be out on Amazon and all good bookshops too. All right. We will put all the links and everything in there as well. So um, definitely if you are the sort of person who is at the stage where you are about to go for it, this is one you should have on your desk. Jan, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure as always to talk to you and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Indeed. Thank you so, so much. Hey, thanks for listening. You know, I would love to know what you've taken from this episode. It's always really interesting to hear your insights and what action they help you to take. Making progress involves making change from how we do things to how we view things. You know, we're, we're constantly revising and tweaking our approach to optimize our results. As, as a specialist in applied neuroscience methods, I have consistently seen that the more we understand the science behind how our brain works, the more control and finesse we have in our actions, our reactions, and our interactions. And of course, that works for us as individuals and as teams, and it benefits ourselves and everyone around us, whether we're at work or at home. Now, if you'd like to discover the power of applied neuroscience for yourself, then follow me on LinkedIn or visit the website at neurocreative.studio to explore the possibilities. And don't forget, hit subscribe so that you'll always know when we've got a new and interesting interview available for you to listen to.